how do you build a business that is able to sell for what you sold it for? Well, there's a few things I learned about about seven years ago, and it could be complicated, so I'm going to explain it in the easiest way possible. If you buy something in on Craigslist and then you sell it in the Arizona Republic and you make money, that's called arbitrage. You bought it and you sold it and you got a different multiple. So you paid a buck, you sold it for two. The $1 is called arbitrage. In the home service industry and many other home service industries, this is like... I thought this was like, if Pablo Escobar knew what this shit was, he'd be like, <laughs> I would have never been a Coke dealer. You you could literally buy something for three or four X and sell it for 10 because of the systems, the processes, the org chart. It's called arbitrage. Mm-hmm. And typically, a lot of PE companies, they want to buy companies and just stick them together and get a higher multiple. But what I do is I fix companies. I find great companies and just some dials that I could turn. So their booking rate, I could fix it. They're not open nights or weekends. I am. They're not open holidays. I am. They they don't know service to sales. When you go out and they fix a garage or do they offer a new one because it's an old piece of crap? They don't understand conversion rate. You know, there's really only four KPIs that matter. Booking rate, including form fills, conversion rate, average ticket, and cost per acquisition. I could fix any company. And just being able to recruit all-stars, building a business, once you reach a certain size, like I could leave for a month and we wouldn't skip a beat. So people will pay more for a business that runs without. I mean, we go on this trip to Mexico next month, all my whole leadership team and all my top dogs. There's like 70 of us going. The company will still set records when we're all gone. And that's what people pay for a what? business that runs without the managers and leaders there all the time. So it's pretty cool because home service was deemed essential with COVID. Now, COVID was a bad thing, but home service companies, we didn't shut down. Movie theaters shut down. Hotels shut down. Real estate kind of slowed down. Doctor's office stopped. You know, we didn't miss a beat. We grew dramatically. And uh, I think people are starting to take the blue collar industries a lot more seriously. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned a few things there. The one recurring thing that I always see with like, all these businesses that, you know, are actually scaling well is people. So like, how do you identify a players in your organizations? So there's a lot of things that happen, right? I'm I'm headed to Houston tonight. We've got 300 people RSVP'd for the hiring event. We're hiring 15 in Houston. We've got everything turned off marketing because we're so slammed. And that was an acquisition a year ago. Uh, I look for guys that want to win. I mean, typically it's a male technician. So I say, guys, I'd love to get more female technicians just they haven't ran across a ton. We've it's had about the 10 of it. I get it. Yeah. It's so, so yeah, I love women. Um, if they want to work for, for us and be our coworkers, we'd love that. But we do personality profiling. We want people that have a big dream. Like there's certain people that are like, all I need to make is $20 an hour. And I'm like, I need you to make $500,000 a year. I want you to have 10 houses. Yep. I want you to buy three Lamborghinis. You want to, first of all, you better want more than anybody ever told you you could have. I want people that want to win. They're used to competing, right? So D1 athletes, they know they did two a days for five days a week to play one game. Well, they, they got to be passionate. They got to be excited. They got to want more. They got to be like sitting in the front row saying, teach me more. And those type of people, they'll make several hundreds of thousands of dollars. They'll get insurance. More importantly, they'll be at a place that pushes them to be the best, better fathers, better mothers. They're going to learn to be better to one another. They're going to look at themselves in the mirror and say, I could be better. They're going to work out harder. 
They're going to learn to communicate better. They're going to look you in the eyes when they talk. When I see somebody that's just, they tell a great story, they're smiling, and you can just see that they're not quite content where they're at. They want a career. They want to be pushed. They should work with me. And I'm just, listen, I call on my coworkers. I'm not above anybody. I show up every day. I'm a hustler. I, I grind and I try to be the best leader. I try to lead by example. And success leaves clues, man. I, I mean, I go out and I recruit people. If I'm at Cheesecake Factory, P.F. Chang's, if the Amazon guy walks up, I'm talking to him. My life is always be recruiting. People say always be closing. Always be recruiting. The people are what take you to the next level. And so many people, they just have B players hate, they hate A players and A players hate B players. And if you're going to have a culture that you accept poor attitudes and no drive, no commitment, no excellence, no consistency, no determination, like you're allowing this as a leader, you're doing everybody a disservice. Everybody great in your company is literally going, when is the owner going to do something about this? And the worst employee in the world is a B player. C players get fired. Absolutely. A players take it straight to the top. And B players just kind of, they kind of get by. They do what they're told. They show up on time, but they don't really excel you. So I say the worst employees are the B, the B players. And it's your job to get them up or get them out. A hundred percent. And one thing that we always tell with our entrepreneurs is like, dude, like people just like either rise or fall to the level of your standard. So you need to set the standard for your employees. And so how do you hold people accountable and move those people, those either motivate those A players or get like move those B players to A players? Is there like a key or a secret to your success in doing that? There is a secret. So when somebody starts for me, I'm going to ask them what their dreams are. And I'm going to peel back that onion in five layers. I'm going to say, what are your dreams, man? Where do you want to travel? What is your house going to look like? What do you want to do with dad? Where do you want to take your grandma? Where, where, where do you, do you want to go to Disney World first class, cut all the lines? What is the dream? And then we're going to get really, really specific and write down exactly what the house looks like, how many square feet it is, what neighborhood it is. Then we're going to find out how much money these things cost and build a Gantt chart, basically build a personal budget. And then I'm going to show them KPIs within their business, within their control that they could do to get to their dreams faster. So my dream's got to be big enough for all their dreams to fit inside. So. I don't mind if a guy makes 500 grand a year. So we show them instead of putting them on a performance improvement plan, I'm going to say, Tommy, listen, dude, here's the deal. These are your dreams. This is what's in it for you. Let's go all day and push because I know you want this. I know you want more for your life. I know you want to see your kids go to private school and grow up in a great neighborhood. You are going to go harder, not because I'm threatening to punish you and putting you on an improvement plan because this is what you wanted. My job is to push you to get there. So I think I got to be around driven people. If I could say these things and it doesn't resonate, uh, if you got an attitude problem, we're not going to last. I mean, if you're just like, dude, I'm doing the best I can. I don't really care. It's like those people just kind of fizzle out and they, they usually quit because they can't ha- handle the pressure. For sure. And that, that's what we see in our organization too. Like the just by us having such a high standard, we really don't like we've I, I've fired quite a few people, but the majority of the people they end up quitting or firing themselves just because they can't handle the the heat essentially within our within our organization. And so, you know, how, how do you continue to motivate those people though? Because like one thing that we see is 
sometimes people align, they're crushing it for a long time with us. And then they end up either fizzling out. They can't like, they can't consistently stay at that high level. So how do you counter that? You know, when I grew up, I played a lot of sports. I was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. And the main thing was we had to practice. We had team events. Like the coach cared, they drive me home because my parents work their butts off. So I think we have a morning mojo call every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. We have a team meeting for an hour and a half every Thursday. We have one-on-ones twice a month. We are constantly reminding them, showing them where they're at. There's a scoreboard. There's literally every single employee can hit a button on their phone and they can see where they're at in the company. There's every single KPI down to the recall rate, down to the gross close rate, down to customer satisfaction. So we got scorecards. We keep track. That's scary for people because they don't like to play sports. They don't care about winning. My core value right here, I'm wearing it on my wrist, aspire to be number one. I want to win. There's certain people in this world. There's two types of people. Those who need to win and be number one and those who hate to be last. The guys that hate to be last look at the chart and they go, oh, at least I wasn't last. And there's other guys that cry. They walk out of the meeting and they go, sorry, I was number three. And those are the guys I want. Because literally, I've got this software that listens to every call, tells you how fast the customer is talking, how many questions. Top performers ask 25 open-ended questions. Bottom performers ask five. Top performers tell the company story after they give the price and finance terms, an hour and a half after. Losers do it in 45 minutes. And nobody on my team's a loser, just loser salespeople. I just, I would tell you success. We've got more technology. We're a technology company that does garage doors. We happen to do garage doors. Then, man, I feel like, People are like, there's no way you can get to a billion in revenue. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a mathematical certainty. I need 900 techs. Like, it's it's impossible for me not to. Unless I die, I'm going to get well over a billion. Like, hold my beer. Just because you suck and it's an imagination in your head. Literally, if the average tech, if I get a text to a million dollars, I need a thousand techs to do a billion, right? That's simple math. Well, how do you get that out? This is the United States of America. I'm only in 22 states. I'm in 38 markets. I'm not even close. And we're already well way over 200 million. So I just love the TikTok haters out there. 